Welcome everyone to the One More Game Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeremy Culver, aka Darcy, and with me is the California Thirst Quencher, Pete Legia. Pete, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, getting ready to imbibe in some Stella Artois, Stella Artois, one of my uh, Uncle Stan's favorite beers. Uh, Stella Artois, if you're listening, uh, it's not sponsored by you, but certain this podcast certainly could be. That is very well true. Any any company that wants to sponsor us, we are we are uh, open and willing. Is what I would like Hell to say. Hell yeah, we <laughs> yeah. like money. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. But everyone, thank you so much for tuning in here to the One More Game podcast. This is a podcast that is centered around making sure you're informed about all the video game news happening around the world. Whether it's Nintendo, Xbox, PlayStation, or PC, if there's news that you need to know about, we'll make sure that you know about it. When you're listening to this on your podcast service, make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button, depending on what your service offers. And if your podcast service allows reviews, please leave a five-star review and tell everyone why you love the One More Game podcast because we really enjoy bringing this to you each and every Friday. If you'd like to be part of the show by asking a question or suggesting a topic for discussion, you can head on over to pressstartnews.net slash one more game and fill out the submission form and your submission could be used on the next episode. And we want to pass along for the final time this month, and of course the final time at least for this giveaway. You, the fans, have helped us here at the One More Game podcast hit a milestone recently. We reached 1,000 listeners on the podcast and I know I've said it every single episode but still I just want to say it was crazy that we did this in under a year Uh, so to celebrate that we are doing a giveaway one lucky winner will receive a $20 gift card to the platform of their choice all they have to do to enter is to go to Facebook Instagram or Twitter follow the page react and like to the post promoting this episode they are pinned on each of them Uh, tag two friends in the comments and then share your favorite gaming moment this moment can be something in games a moment with friends in gaming or even if it's a moment of just receiving a certain game or system just any moment in your gaming hobby that really stands out to you because we just want to hear about those now you have until the end of the month to do so so of course this episode is going to go live on the 25th so you have until monday the 28th at the end of day to enter once that ends you will not be able to enter anymore you can increase your chances of winning by doing this on all three social media platforms so again you could have three entries if you do this and we will announce the winner on the march 4th episode of the podcast so next week's episode so make sure you enter before all that happens as I do for every single podcast that we start off. If this is your first time to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. I hope you enjoy your visit and I hope you enjoy your stay. If this is your or, or if you are returning to the podcast, you already know what it is. We start off every single podcast talking about what we've been playing lately. So Pete, what have you been playing lately? So last episode, we talked about Edge of Eternity. We actually talked about it a couple episodes ago, but you... uh Put it on me to actually play Edge of Eternity. So I played a couple hours of that, and I got to ride a Nekaru, which is a giant cat with two tails that can sense for treasure. And that was about the most exciting thing that happened, honestly. Uh, the story <laughs> is really jarring. It seemed like they were going with a Final Fantasy X opening of, like, uh, just uh, post- uh, or, like, futuristic, apocalyptic uh, start of the game. And then all of a sudden... You're at this random uh, island uh, port nation thing, and it's all kind of like, oh, this is kind of weird. Different storylines because uh, this one, you're still on the same post-apocalyptic world, and Final Fantasy X 
you know, the things that take place there are, uh, have various differences as edge of eternity does. So like some of the stuff has been interesting, but it's been mostly kind of a miss for me. I'm going to play a little bit more of it because maybe it picks up. The other one, uh, is going to the other game I've been playing, which I've been a much bigger fan of is submerged hidden depths. Uh, if you want my full look at the pre, we have a preview that I have written on pressstartnews.com that you can go to pressstartnews.net pressstartnews.net i apologize pressstartnews.net for the submerged hidden depths uh preview that i've written but uh long story short i really enjoyed it yeah i i do we do have that up there i of course uh looked it over and i'm not gonna lie like i talked with you back and forth right about the, yeah, did. the did. about what we were going to do with the game and before that right we had two preview codes and i was like which one do you want right and i kind of sent you the mm-hmm. two things and and you know you ended up choosing submerged and i um after seeing the screenshots more from uh posting and helping with the article a little bit and then reading your thoughts i was like Man, I wish I played that. <laughs> so. I, I'm not going to lie. Some uh, So uh, a couple other people have asked me because I mentioned that I was trying this game out. Um, I would probably not spend full price on the game. I know that's okay. a weird thing to say for a game that I enjoyed. But it's it's kind of a thing where you have to know your... If you know you're going to enjoy it, absolutely go buy the game. I think the game's awesome. But it's not an action type game. It is a game where you kind of just relax and unwind mm-hmm. and go through the mo- kind of go through the motions. I want to stress that. So if you were looking for like something like, you know, Prince of Persia level traps and puzzles, this ain't the game for you. But if you are looking for something, something a little different, something new, something that you're like, Hey, I want to kind of chill out, relax while playing these video games. It's def- I definitely recommend going and trying it out. And if you can find it, uh, and if you can find it for on sale, even better. The, that's my recommendation for the game as I played it. Yeah, and again, if you want Pete's full uh, thoughts, go head on over to pressstartnews.net and check out the hidden uh, or the submerged hidden depths preview. Uh, but I do want to go back real quick before I kind of talk about my things. Uh, just talk, talk about Edge of Eternity, and I know you kind of gave some of your thoughts and stuff. But I want to ask, I guess, is did you did me telling you ahead of time when you first saw it and you on that episode I think it was about two weeks ago now maybe it was three weeks ago you know and you were like oh I'm kind of like looking forward to this and I told you to temper your expectations do you think that helped you a little bit in enjoying it or do you think that heading in your expectations still like were up I guess and then you were like oh crap (laughs) <laughs> Jeremy was right. Like I really should have tempered my expectations. I think you were right. Um, and I did temper them a little bit, but I still had them kind of high in the sense of like, it's a JRPG. I'm a huge fan of JRPGs. I love playing RPGs in general. So I was still kind of a big fan of it. Uh, I'm still kind of like in the tutorial phase. So I want to like, I want to stress that like, oh, I haven't yeah. really gotten to like any of the meat of the game and meat of the story. But I don't know, like the characters have kind of felt really odd to me the way they've been written so far. It's just like 
some of the things they've done are really jarring. And I mean, real people in general are jarring. They're very hypocritical. And that's not to say these characters are hypocritical, but some of the things that they've, the ways they've acted, the speeches they've given, the text that's given to them. I don't know if it's a weird translation thing because the game is from Japan. So there might be a uh, incorrect, not incorrect translation, but weird things that aren't coming across in like a literal translation type thing that maybe is causing it. But yeah, like some of the way some of the characters have been and stuff, it's just been really like off putting for some reason that I, I can't really describe it, but yeah, like that's probably been the biggest flaw because everything else has been pretty much okay. Like the combat system's mildly interesting. Like I said, I got to ride a giant cat. That's, that was cool as crap. So like a lot of things I have liked, it's mostly just been the characters, which is a big problem when you're focused on a game like an RPG where there's a lot of character interaction that drives the story. Now, I do want to correct one thing from you, but then I have to ask you one other quick question. So, again, uh, the one thing to correct is, so this game is not from Japan. It is actually a oh French God. studio. It is a French studio oh. who made it. Oh, right. It. It's Midgar Studio. My bad, my bad. Correct. Oh, oh, oh. You're yeah, fine. Yeah, my bad, my bad. Yeah. Not, <laughs> God. Oof. You're fine. Uh, and the reason being is for those that don't know, again, this is uh, this was just basically a studio that was developed because they really love JRPGs and was like, yeah. we want to make uh, our yeah. own. I've even read the thing. <laughs> like, I even read the 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 web company website. I feel terrible now. You're fine. Midgar Studio. My bad. Yeah, but uh, my question that I do have, and this is not to crap on Midgar Studio, but I do have to ask in the <laughs> opening in the opening sequence. Uh, yeah. I talked about it on the episode. It's not a spoiler just because, again, this is, like, within the first, like, 20 minutes yeah, of the game. Like, it's like, in, yeah. Um, did you notice how there was no sound effect when the mechanical, like, monster oh, shoots the, arm, the spear like, at the yeah, lady in the back? I didn't back. think about that, but, yeah, now that you mentioned it, yeah, there wasn't any yeah, sound Yeah, and she gets, she gets literally just, just like, pierced. Nothing. <laughs> also, the way that they set that up is just like, ah, oh, if you surround the thing, it won't kill our the spellcaster. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it killed their spell. Huh? Didn't, <laughs> didn't think that one through. The, the fact that they 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 did a bunch of that stuff to like not make you, you know, like introduce all these characters and then like immediately just off a bunch of them. Like I was supposed to care about that. It was just kind of like it set up the idea of like humanity or whatever they're called in this game. I don't, I think it's still just humanity, but there might be a different title for that. Mm -hmm. But, um, it set up like, Oh man, humanity is in deep shit. Mm -hmm. Pardon my, pardon my language, but they are in a deep hole and it set that up really well. But like, I didn't care about any of the characters dying <laughs> as bad as it is because it's just like, Oh, Hey, there's all these people. Like the only one I cared about was the, um, the childhood friend. Cause like there was like kind of a connection with the main character. That was like the only one that was like, Oh, that's kind of not, that's kind of not cool. Yeah. But, like that was the only one. Like everyone was like, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, that that's unfortunate. Huh? That's wow. Okay. <laughs> like, I, it was just a lot of that. I agree with you. 100%. Uh, what were you even playing? Uh, so for myself, uh, you know, I, <laughs> okay. So funny enough, I think, I've, uh, it's no secret for everyone. We've talked about it in other times. We always try to say that, yes, we record this on Thursdays, but we always try to play this off like it's a Friday episode. So I will first fully admit, Pete, uh, because of my basketball game tonight, I kind of forgot what I talked about last week on on the uh -oh. episode for what I've been playing lately. So like I was really debating uh, while I was like getting ready for the podcast. I was like, what did I play? And I realized 
what I said was last week is I had been I returned to Returnal and I beat it the second time, but I was going for the 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 true ending. So then that's when I oh realized I have not fit I have not said that. So I I did fully beat Returnal. I got the true ending. And of course I'm not trying to I'm not gonna try to spoil it for anything, but uh with when you get the true ending, it is I I enjoyed it, uh, the true ending, but it's one of those that it you really have to think about it to try and understand. And I think for some people, with the the effort, the grind, the things that you do to try to just beat this game, because Returnal is a hard game and it does not hold your hand anywhere. It's just like you gotta beat it or you're gonna die, right? Um, I do think for some people that the ending will immediately turn them off. Like they will feel like that ending did not give them a sense of satisfaction or closure with the game because it is just so out there, I guess, that it doesn't feel like the game ended. But it is the true ending. Like, and that's that's the way to put it. Because, of course, once you beat it, even though you beat the true ending, you still can continue playing the game, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, right. in a sense, like, and again, this is not to spoil, spoil it, but in a sense, you are still stuck in the loop. But if you think about that ending more, and you think about the, the logs that you pick up, you'll go, like... Oh, I get it. Wow, that's deep, right? Like that's what you'll think. But if you just take it like with what you saw and what you played and stuff, you're gonna be like, "The fuck is this shit?" <laughs> I like truly, yeah. I truly feel that would be the case. You're like, "What? What the hell just happened? That wasn't that wasn't a good ending." And then they're gonna be like, "Returnal sucked," but it's still. To me, I said Returnal was the game of the year, even or my game of the year last year, even though I didn't beat it. Beating it did solidify that. It is my game of the year last year. I absolutely loved it. The ending uh, hit for me. And so that's that's the big one, of course, that I want to talk about. Uh, the other ones, real quick, before you uh, possibly you know give some questions back. But I did play a little bit more of a game that I played previous to you becoming a host on the, the podcast. Um, I played a little bit more of the Great Ace Attorney game. Uh, uh, Chronicles on Nintendo Switch with uh, my wife. So that's one of our games. So we did play that a little bit more. Um, so that was fun. And then I am a sucker for nostalgia. And I talked about that I was going to pick, like, I wanted to pick it up, but I wasn't planning on doing it. And I picked up Dynasty Warriors 9 Empires. And I have been playing yeah. the hell out of that thing. I've <laughs> yeah. been playing the hell out of it. So, yeah, that's that's basically everything that I've played this week. So, going back to Returnals, I guess my big question for me, it, I mean, context is king. Of course. But I'm a. I'm a uh, big, uh, the journey matters almost more than the ending. Obviously the end, you get it all. If you get the whole thing, that's the best part. But is that kind of like what you are or is Returnals kind of like a unique experience because you enjoyed that game so much? It was your game of the year that the ending, although you, although you understand that maybe not as many people are going to appreciate the kind of ending that happened with Returnal, Mm -hmm. Returnals, um, 
that I guess my question is like, are you usually like a journey matters more than the ending or the ending matters more than the journey and Returnals is just, you know, just such a good game that it surpasses that anyway. I think in this, I guess I'm trying not to pigeon hoe myself into one corner, but I think like yeah, for you and I, king. I think for you and I, right, being big JRPG fans, the journey matters a lot more in most cases than the ending like the ending makes you go ah yeah like cool right but it's usually the the journey and things that go along with it and the character development and i think with returnal for myself uh it it's more like yes the game does a great job there's a lot of context and things and story that is told through that journey but i think for returnal it just simply is the satisfaction when you triumph because it is such a hard game so it's like when you finally take down you know like let's say you get stuck on a boss so like for instance i'll say the second box boss i think his name was ixion uh why i remember it is because the final fantasy summon but it he is hard as hell i died to him so many times so the first time when i finally beat him i was like yes i feel so good right now like thank you right and i think that continued now i i made mention last week on the podcast i really do think for some reason taking that long break away helped me because like i didn't struggle nearly as much in this second half of the game could also be because I of course found a lot of upgrades for my character but it was still just even then the triumphs of taking out these bosses really just hit um and then like I said the ending it took me I fully admit it took me a while it took me actually reading online to like I was just like okay like i I get this ending, but I don't get this ending. Like, that's the way I kind of was like, I'm like, part of it makes sense, but part of it, like, I think I'm missing something. So then I went and read some things online, and it was reading some things online made me go, oh, I was missing this because I forgot about this from when I first was playing the game, right? And then that's when I was like, all right, that was actually a deep, good ending. And so that's why I... Yeah, the journey matters. The journey matters, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but that is the key thing. Uh, anything else you want to ask before we move on? No, I think we uh, covered uh, plenty of game. what we were playing. Uh, how was your game? How was your basketball game before we – just really quickly, like 10 seconds before we – Very quickly. The first game, we crushed them. The second game, we lost close. <laughs> Boom. All right. Let's go to the All headlines. right, so let's go to our gaming catalog because we have quite the list to get through. We have uh, Square Enix not being happy yet again. Uh, Elden Ring being amazing. Who would have thought that? Uh, PSVR 2 and how it looks, as well as Call of Duty is not coming out next year. What? And anyway, we have all that and possibly more coming up here on the One More Game Podcast. But let's go to our main catalog, and that is, again, Square Enix not being happy. We are going to IGN for this article written by Ryan Dinsdale, and it is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy initially underperformed for Square Enix. Now, Marvel's Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy had a slow start for Square Enix as the publisher admitted the game initially 
initially underperformed when it launched in October last year. During its latest financial briefing, Square Enix commented that despite receiving positive reviews, Guardians of the Galaxy's quote, sales on launch undershot our initial expectations, end quote. The game made up ground later, however, through different sale initiatives, such as store discounts that began in November, and Square Enix said it intends to, quote, work to continue to expand sales to make up for the title's slow start, end quote. Now, it proved to be the second shaky start for Square Enix's Marvel games, as as its president, Yusei, uh, Yosuke Matsuda, com- commented in November that, quote, Avengers has unfortunately not proven as successful as we would have liked, end quote. Guardians of the Galaxy certainly reviewed much better than Avengers, and IGN, of course, gave it, said it was great. I think that is where they give it an 8. Uh, it doesn't say in this article. End quote. Another convincing example of how much fun a linear, no-frills, single-player ca- campaign can be. Now, Avengers, on the other hand, was only received as okay. And I'm scrolling down just to real quick double check what the review says for this. This is a long review. Let me get down here. Uh, they gave it a six. So, yeah, that was a six. Uh, as its campaign is fun and endearing, but the loot-based post-game uh, meant to be the meat of it is unrewarding and overly repetitive. So, Pete, let me ask you this. First, just because I actually am curious, did you play Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy? But two, uh, I guess, how are what is your thoughts and sentiments that Square Enix felt like it underperformed at the beginning and of course it sounds like they're still not content with where sales are uh to answer your first question i had not played marvel's guardians of the galaxy i honestly didn't know that square enix was uh one of the people that was in charge one of the companies in charge of marvel's guardian of the galaxy if you had asked me that uh for the video game i would not have guessed that it was kind of interesting to learn when we were going through the headlines uh Sounds like it's a fun game, but uh, I've not gotten the opportunity to play it. Uh, if it comes up in Game Pass, I certainly will. Uh, if it, if I can find it, uh, especially like uh, you know, get some opportunity to play it from like getting borrowing it from a friend. Um, the answer to your second question, uh, I, your, I think your tweet from a couple of couple of days ago when the story dropped was actually uh, really on point. Like what? what was Square Enix expecting? What kind of sales were they expecting from this? You know, like I, I mean, I, so going through their actual, uh, I went through a little bit of their actual like results briefing that this article was sort of based on. Uh, and like, it seemed like the whole like HD games division did like kind of undersold, but (laughs) The interesting part was like, they were like, well, it's lower than the same period from the previous fiscal year. Well, the previous fiscal year had Marvel's Avengers, but it also had a, a kind of a, like a game that might have some notoriety. It was Final Fantasy VII Remake. It yeah. It was released during the same time. And it's like, if you're basing your HD game sales off of Final Fantasy VII Remake for Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy, that's a little bit of a thing you're assuming is going to happen, you know? Like, what are you doing there? Um, and you put in the show notes that it wasn't the only region that underperformed. The the mobile the net sales were also uh, kind of low. Really, going through this, the net, going through the... Um, the uh, statement, uh, their financial uh, brief results briefing, like the only thing that really kept up for Square Enix in this uh, this fiscal quarter was um, the net sales from the MMO subsegment. And that was because Final Fantasy 14 got a growth in paying subscriber numbers and released a new expansion. So like it's kind of like 
I don't know what if you're Square Enix, what were you expecting? What were the sales like? Do you want to? Uh, I know you did a deeper dive on this. You couldn't find any like actual sales numbers expected. And mm-hmm. uh, is this like the first time? Like this? This seems like. I mean, it didn't seem like Marvel Avengers in the article, but like, are these like the only two games like it's that that didn't do so hot? Like, what, what's your take on that? Like, you got any information on that? No, they definitely. Uh, I think like. The way to put it, and I'm not going to, like, try to claim full credit for this because I did see uh, Kotaku wrote this as their headline for this article, but it it's sure. very true. Uh, Square Enix seems impossible to please. Like, I feel like, <laughs> right. I feel like every time Square Enix talks about a game, they are literally saying it, it didn't meet our expectations or it underperformed or, like, you know... I think for one in particular, and I'm going to go through these real quick, but one of them in particular, like the company still says to this day, they have no clue how much they sold because Square Enix won't tell them. Um, But (laughs) we're like the first time, like, so let's go just, this is back many years ago. Okay. This is 2013. But when Tomb Raider, the remake of Tomb Raider, which was a game of the year contender, it sold 3.4 million copies, but Square Enix said it failed to hit expectations. Like, what does that mean? How do you not expect to hit expectations with 3.4 million sales? Then let's go to just something more recently, right? Neo, the world ends with you. This is a sequel to a game that came out many years after its initial one. And of course, also, Pete, I know that you, I've brought you back into the fold when it comes to video game news, but like anyone, anyone that looked at or paid attention to video game news can tell you straight to your face or straight to anyone's face. Square Enix did nothing to promote this game, all right? Like, they very little any kind of promotion for it. But what do you think they said after it? Even though it received great expect- or great reviews and fans loved it, it didn't meet expectations. Uh, Outriders, which is the one that I'm talking about. Outriders was made by people, uh, people who, uh, people, people can fly, excuse me, sorry. And Square Enix was publishing that one. And yes, don't get me wrong, Outriders got pretty decent reviews. It was mixed, but pretty decent reviews. And technically speaking, what did hurt it was that, one, uh, it had a lot of bugs at first at launch. Uh, But two, I do think what hurt sales overall still is the fact that on Xbox uh, Game Pass console-wise, it launched on there. So, of course, that's going to hurt any kind of sales numbers that you may get from there. But what does does, uh, Square Enix do? Not even tell what people can fly, how much they've made. Like, people can fly, there was an article I think I did link to it. I may not have, but our, uh, People Can Fly literally said they have no clue how much money they made from the game or how many sales because Square Enix doesn't tell them. And then just to cap it off, and I know I'm kind of ranting here, but in this article back on November of 2021 where they said Neo, The World Ends With You didn't uh, meet expectations, basically... Th- 
They said, Near Replicant, Neo the World Ends With You, Life is Strange True Colors, and Outriders did not meet their expectations because, as you said it, they had a challenging comparison compared to Final Fantasy VII Remake. Of course. Of course it did. Like, <laughs> no one is surprised by this. So, yeah, I... uh I just find it Square Enix is impossible to to to, uh, to please in this regard. The crazy thing about all of this, one a real quick note before we move on, like at the end of their financial briefing, like they go through their fiscal year ending, their Square Enix does, and they revise their full year forecast, and they've like upgraded everything except net sales, like everything was increased for their revised full year forecast. It's like, so it's like, oh yeah, sales were bad, but you know, we still made a bunch of income. It's like, or we're still making a bunch of money. It's like, oh, okay, well, uh, is this a thing you really want to like throw under the bus then? Like, what's the point? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also just to, just to kind of move along, like I know that Marvel's Avengers didn't do very well. And like Square Enix has been very upfront that that one did not sell anywhere near the way they thought it would be and of course it didn't it did not perform well in general with fans and gamers alike but like you said when you're comparing Marvel's Avengers launching with Final Fantasy 7 remake compared to anything else it's like it's going to be not as good sorry like just just expect it so yeah i just it boggled my mind but i as as you you said, I kind of put it out there. I just really am curious what Square Enix thought. Like, I just really want to know what their expectations were, just so we can see. Like, is it like it slightly didn't meet expectations, or did they just figure? You know, we're selling seven million copies right away. It's like the no, very few games sell seven million copies right away. What are you thinking? Uh, but we're going to move on. version of not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're going to move on to a game that received a lot of praise and I'm sure received a lot of sales, and that is Elden Ring. We're going to the Video Game Chronicles here for this article. This is written by Tom Ivan, and it is. Elden Ring is officially one of the best-reviewed games Ever. Uh, the Elden Ring review embargo has lifted and having received near universal praise from critics, the From Software game is already sitting near the top of some of the best of games of all time list. Now, based on over 90 reviews at the time of the publication, Elden Ring is the highest rated title ever on Open Critic with a top critic average of 97, an achievement matched only by Super Mario Odyssey, but Nintendo's game currently holds a, holds a slightly lower true average score. And on review aggregation site Metacritic at the time of publishing, Elden Ring had scored a 97 on PS5 and a 95 on PC and Xbox series, respectively. Uh, the PS5 version of Elden Ring is listed as Metacritic's 15th highest reviewed game of all time. Only 24 titles have scores equal or greater to that, and one of those is headed by The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which this really surprised me. It holds a 99. Did not freaking realize that's uh, even possible, I guess. Guess. Um, on Open Critic, 44 publications scored Elden Ring and gave it full remarks, while on Metacritic, 24 of the 40 outlets that reviewed the PS5 version rewarded it the top score available, which 
for those that don't know, that is a 10 or a 5, depending on what the scale of that respective publisher or review site uses. Uh, just to give some other comparisons real quick, so Demon Souls, the release back in 2009, got a Metacritic of 89. Dark Souls in 2011 got a Metacritic of 89. Dark Souls 2, which came out in 2014, had a Metacritic of 91, and this was also the first time it was on Open Critic, which got an 88. Bloodborne got a Metacritic of 92, an Open Critic of 91. Dark Souls 3, a Metacritic of 89, an Open Critic of 90. And then Sekiro Shadows Die Twice got a Metacritic of 90 with an Open Critic of 90. And then comparison to the PS5 remake for Demon Souls. This was not made by From Software, but it was a remake, of course, of the Demon Souls. That has a Metacritic and Open, uh, open Critic review score of 92. So, Pete, I have to ask you. Are you interested in picking up Elden Ring at all? And if these reviews uh, influence you to do so. But two, I got to ask just kind of on a personal note, how would would you ever give a game a top score, a 10 out of 10 or a 5 out of 5 depending on your scale? Uh so I will say that the uh the uh reviews and a lot of my friends who are actually interested in getting the game have interested have made increased and definitely piqued my interest to at least check it out. Um, I do think that the reviews are pro, uh, from especially review sites are probably going to be a little po- more positively slanted, slanted because this is theoretically a game like uh, the Souls games that if you're better at games, it's probably going to be more fun for you because of the increased difficulty for a lot of these games. And a lot of the people that are playing uh, reviewing games, they play video games a lot for a living. So they're better than the average person that's going to play video games. But it has increased my personal uh, desire to check it out. So there's a really strong possibility that if I get the opportunity, I'm going to uh, seek it out and play it. As for myself, for given uh, like a 10 out of 10 video game, I have what I call the triumvirate. And that is my top three games of all time. I have ba- the 10 out of 10 in general. For me, I just call the Pantheon. Because okay. I feel like I'm cool like that. And I have a whole list of games. And my triumvirate is Final Fantasy IX, Lunar, the Silver Star, Story, and Lunar 2, Eternal, Eternal Blue. Okay. That's my triumvirate, which is like my three all-time games that I pl- love to play. I love going back to play. I love just everything about them. And that, so I have given tens to a lot of games, but just in general, like my Pantheon, like I said, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is like the list of like my 10 rating games. So I've given out a lot because I rate them mostly on enjoyment, not like being very critical of like things about them. Just like, oh, this is like a game I love to play. How mm-hmm. about you? Do you, uh, how about you? I pose it back to you. How many games have you given a 10 out of 10? And also, are you picking up Elden Ring? Because apparently going by these reviews, it's like the best game of all time. Uh a lot of people think, yeah, definitely that this is one of the best games of all time. I think IGN say, uh, had the quotes or something along the lines of like, similar to Breath of the Wild, this is a game uh, for the open world genre that we are going to continue to look back to for years to come. So which is obviously really high praise for the game. Uh, so yes, I am actually very interested in picking up this game. I may pick it up uh very soon (laughs) but i don't know of course because i also have a lot of games that i just picked up uh so we'll see but um to answer your question with the reviews yes i have given 10 out of 10s to uh, a number of games similar to you now of you as you said there are games that i have are like top of my list these are my most beloved games but i do have like 10 out of 10s and 
the reason being for myself, and I know there are some people who won't, that will not give a game a 10 out of 10 because in their eyes, they look at it as if it's 10 out of 10, that means there is no problems with it. It is absolutely perfect. And I'm of the mindset of 10 out of 10 does not mean it is absolutely perfect, no issue whatsoever. What it means is similar to what you said, enjoyment factor, right? It is a perfect 10 out of 10 because it is a surefire hit with people that love this genre as well as people who may want to dabble in this genre. Like that's for me where I'm like 10 out of 10. There may still be bugs. There may still be issues. There may still be like slow moments or or fluff in that game. But overall, that game hits when it needs to and the, the points that matters most. Like that's what I say as a 10 out of 10. And when you get a little bit lower, that's when you start being like, all right, this game's great, but there's just – a lot more issues that or a lot more things that are going on that you you have to take notice of and of course it kind of goes down from there and of course then you get to the all right this game's all right you know it's a six or a seven you know you'll enjoy it but it might not be your favorite and you know from there it goes down so i uh am a little surprised though still about how well received this one is and part of it is i guess because i knew the hype would really be there for Elden Ring. I mean, this game, since it's been announced, has been, like, the thing that people have just really wanted. And the fact that, you know, George R.R. R. Martin, the writer for the Game of Thrones series, being a part of it really just had people, I want to see this. But it's like, you know, again, I read it there, but, right, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne, Dark Souls 3, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, all of them are really, really popular, really beloved games, again, for this Soulsborne genre, and so it's crazy to me that it's, at the this moment, it's not only topped them, but it's topped them by several points, when these are already very highly reviewed games, right, and the fact that you know, again, uh, on Open Critic, the only game that Open Critic has reviewed that matches it is Super Mario Odyssey. Like, that's crazy, you know, in my opinion. So I'm really shocked by this in that regards. But at the same time, I'm glad that the hype was there and I'm glad that it hit. Simple as that. Yeah, I really hope it uh, lives up to all the expectations for all the fans because, like, the worst thing uh, for me for anything really is, like, oh, let's hype this thing up. And it's like, oh, it's not as good as we thought. That's a bummer. Like, I want people to enjoy themselves, man. So I really hope that this game is everything and more that everybody says it is, especially for the people that are buying this, like, as of this recording tonight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to just uh, leave this off with some uh, quick sentiments from Elden Ring's uh, or VGC's review of Elden Ring. It's here at the end of the bo- uh, article, but it is. They called it from software's most vital game since Demon Souls. Quote, Elden Ring is a fantastic game that can still deliver the unmatched thrill of defeating a tough boss after an hours long battle, wrote reviewer Jordan Midler. And he ended it saying, quote, those who worship at the Church of Souls like will find a game that's basically everything.
everything they ever wanted. So those are some pretty high words to say. Uh, let's go to our next thing, and it's actually something I'm really looking forward to. So I hope, again, that I can convince my wife that we're going to get it when it comes to out. And that is PlayStation VR 2. We're going to IGN for this article. It is written by Joe Screbbles, and it is we got a first look of PlayStation VR 2 and the new headset. Uh, Sony has offered a first look at the PSVR 2 headset, which has been designed to match the look of the base PS5. Revealed on the PlayStation blog, Sony's senior vice president of platform experience, uh, Hedi... Hideaki Nishino, I should always practice these names ahead of time, I'm so sorry, uh, Nishino, uh, explained that the look of the PSVR 2 was inspired by the curved white and black look of the PS5 and its other peripherals, but the headset itself was designed to match the orb look of the previously revealed Sense VR controllers, which themselves have been updated to match the PS5 color scheme. Uh, Nishino went into more specific details, saying that a key to the design is immersion, quote, to the point where you almost forget you are using a headband or controller controller, end quote. VR2 retains a balanced weight and adjustable headband, but adds a lens adjustment dial, a slimmer headset, and a reduced weight. There's also going to be a vent to allow for airflow and stop the lens from fogging. Uh, As previously announced, the headset will also include a motor to provide uh, rumble feedback, and the adjustable scope and headphone jack will remain in the same positions as the original PSVR. Now, we've learned what the headset and controllers, of course, look like. We do know that the PSVR 2 is the name, but we still don't have a release date. However, on the other hand, we have the first exclusive game, uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain. And it's, uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah. I don't think it has a release date for that either. But with that all out of the way, Pete, I know I think I asked you before. No, that was actually uh, Sharif. So let me ask you, are you interested in VR? And two, uh, what do you think of the look of the PSVR 2? Uh, can I say I'm interested in VR? Uh, I kind of am interested, um, in general, probably not necessarily the PSVR two, not because I don't want to be, but because you need a PS five to run it. It's really hard to get those right now. (laughs) And I don't have one, uh, just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, so like in general, I am interested in P uh, in VR. I'm interested in trying it out, seeing what it's like. I want to give it a shot. You know, I, I, it's just, it seems like it'll be really cool. You, you know, this uh, article, this IGN article for the PSVR 2, it has a uh, it has a chart showing the specs for it. And man, it measures up pretty well, it seems like, in most instances of like the original PSVR, the Oculus Quest 2, the Valve Index, like all of them. It just looks like it's just they're really pouring their all into this. They want this to be a thing. So I'm really interested to see how it goes. I like the look of it. I think it looks pretty damn cool, honestly. Like, you know, attaching it to your head and stuff like that. It's got like, you put the controllers in your hands and it's got a light. It looks really comfortable. It looks really sleek, really clean. I like that. So there's a lot of it that I'm super interested in. And I really hope it uh, takes off. And I also really hope for more reasons than just this, but uh, definitely for this being one of the reasons is that PS5 gets a lot more (laughs) available before too long. So, uh, you know, I can join in on the fun when the time comes. Do you think, I'll throw it back to you now, do you think that looking at everything that we know so far, do you think that Sony has gotten at least closer 
to cracking the code for VR on console specifically. I know like some of the VRs for the other ones, like, like we, I mentioned earlier, the valve index, the Oculus quest too, you kind of need, uh, especially for the valve index, you need a gaming PC. This one we're focusing more on the PS five and the console. Do you think that they're getting closer to figuring things out with the VR specifically on the console? So I'm going to answer it and it's going to sound like I'm kind of like playing the fence here, but I hope so. And the reason why I say I hope so is it's just going to come down to, as always, right, the performance. What does it actually perform like when we have it in our hands? So until we have that, that's why I have to go with I hope so. But I'm right there with you. I mean, you look at the specs, and for those that, of course, that can't see these specs, I'm just going to kind of just compare it. Uh, When you look at pixels per eye, it's the highest of what's being compared to and right now for those that don't know the oculus quest 2 is the most popular vr set out there because you don't technically need anything else with it you can just use the headset it is wireless so it is the most popular um but it 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 specs technically beat that and i know it uses the oled display which should help things when it comes to what you see uh for clarity and stuff but some people prefer the lcd screen but you know 120 hertz the uh, the tracking for the the eyes the built-in cameras uh you know the field of view uh for those that don't know it's just kind of like a technically it's more of a pc term but it's basically just like from your standpoint how much degree space can you see without having to move Uh, it's you know one of the highest of course the valve index technically beats it but again comparing it to the most popular it has 110 degrees while the oculus quest 2 has a 90 degrees so like it looks great on paper so i hope it turns out well uh but if i'm going to at least look at this again on paper and then look at the psvr which i did get to try out I'm already like, yo, sign me up because I tell this story. I told the story when the PSVR 2 was announced, but one of the earliest dates between me and my wife was me being super excited that the PSVR was going to come out. And we drove two hours down to St. Louis to a Best Buy just so I can try out PSVR because they that was the closest place that had the PSVR on display ahead of its launch for you to try it out. And it was there for one day. And so we drove down there and we tried it out and I had a blast. My wife, on the other hand, did not. She <laughs> got your first day. Every state, so. Yeah, she got she enjoyed it to an extent, but it gave her motion sickness. So like she was like, I I don't want to keep playing this, right? But I was like, yo, keeps I want to keep playing. Like, sign me up. Yeah. Um so from what PlayStation has said, which is what, you know, I keep joking, right? I want to convince my wife to let me do it. But like PlayStation has said the things that they've done is to help try to mitigate that motion sickness so i really hope the moves that they make do indeed do that because i think psvr or i think vr in general is a really cool thing i don't know if it's something that you're going to want to play like every day for long extended hours but i do think it is still a great experience and i think it is a great enough experience that it's worth having a vr system to play time and time you know here and there uh for those that want to do like beat saber for like an exercise type thing right i know some friends that have it that have lost weight through that like there are things you can do with vr that i think it's great so like i hope this takes the step forward and really brings it up there but until we we have those those 
you know, performance aspects out there, who knows? You know, that's that's the biggest thing. Um, I do want to ask you real quick before we move on. Um, if there are you upset, I guess, or would you be upset that this if you ha- were going to get this, that this is not going to be wireless like the Oculus Quest 2? I don't have a lot of experience with the VR gaming per se, so I'm not 100% like how restrictive that kind of thing is. Um, if I had to guess, I don't like since it would probably since it would be theoretically my first foray into VR gaming, it probably wouldn't bother me too much. But I could also see it being like super restrictive, especially if you're someone who's played the Oculus or you're used to playing the Oculus. Maybe you go over to a buddy's house and play their Oculus a bunch and you're used to not having a cord and you get the PSVR 2. And all of a sudden, like, oh, hey, this thing is corded. I, I can't move as with as much range as I'm used to. And I could see that being a problem with the some number of people. For me personally, it probably wouldn't be that big of an issue because, like we, uh, I said at the beginning of this con- of your question, of the answer to your question, rather, that I haven't played it. So I don't think me personally it would bother me so much. But I could see it being a problem for a certain number of people. But it's going to, I think... Baby steps, you know, baby steps. You got to get the get the thing working with the con- console and then we'll then we'll f- worry about the it being cordless. And, you know, then we'll even go to like sort of online levels where, you know, you just hop into like a thing and it's just like, you know, hopefully you don't get locked in. But no, that's uh, neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully you don't get locked in. Uh, I would just want to say, yeah, like you said, baby steps, because obviously there's not as much extra equipment that you need now with the PSVR uh, 2 that you would with the PSVR. Like, for instance, the PSVR 2 is supposed to just be one single cord while the PSVR 2 or the PSVR you had to like plug this whole thing into your PlayStation to then power and like run it. And it's like it's a whole convoluted thing. Uh, my only gripe. The reason why I asked the question is my only gripe is I don't have a problem with the cord. I think it's fine. It's just I wish it was a detachable cord just for the simple fact of storage. Like the fact that it looks like from the photos when I zoomed in that it is like literally built into the headset. That's my only complaint. So like I wish that was a detachable cord, but – yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, let's go to our next article, and that is Call of Duty is going to be delayed. Well, at least next year's Call of Duty. This is the article written by The Verge, and it is Call of Duty series is reportedly taking a break in 2023. Um This is written by Jay Peters, and it goes as follows. I also want to, I guess, before I read this, give a quick disclaimer. I know Bloomberg announced this, but again, I don't have a subscription to Bloomberg, so I had to find an article that wrote about it. So Bloomberg, uh, at some point, maybe I'll get a subscription so I can quit going to other people for your articles. Anyway, back to that. Uh, There has been a new mainline Call of Duty title every year since 2005, but that will apparently change next year. Activision Blizzard is delaying a Call of Duty title that had been scheduled to release in 2023 according to Bloomberg's Jason Schreier. Activision is pushing the game which Schreier says is being developed by Call of Duty Black Ops maker Treyarch after last year's annual release, Call of Duty Vanguard, because it didn't meet expectations. A theme, I guess, here on this episode. Uh, That led executives to, quote, suspect that it had been cannibalized by the previous year's game, which was Call of Duty Cold War. Uh, A recent SEC filing said that Vanguard failed to meet Activision's fourth quarter projections. However, it seems that Activision will release other Call of Duty content in the meantime. The 2022 title, which Activision has already announced will be a sequel to the 2019's Call of Duty Modern Warfare, will get, quote, a steady stream of additional content, as Schreier Schreier says, and there's also been, uh, or also is going to be a new free 
free-to-play online game that will be available next year as well. And it appears that it will be in addition to the eventual release of Warzone 2, a game that Schreier has mentioned in a tweet. Um... Now, Activision did make a statement on this before I pass it over to you, Pete, and it says, quote, we have an exciting slate of premium and free-to-play Call of Duty experiences for this year, next year, and beyond. Uh, reports of anything otherwise are incorrect. We look forward to sharing more details when the time is right. So, Pete, let me ask you, are you surprised that there is a Call of Duty is getting delayed? And then, two, to go off of that... Are you surprised that Call of Duty Vanguard didn't meet expectations, and I'm putting air quotes here, when it was the number one uh, most profitable game last year? Uh, well, quick, quickly to answer your second question, uh, yeah, when it's number one most profitable, I don't understand. What what more do you want? What more do you, what more do you corporations want? Like, come on. Like, yeah. people want, I, I understand y'all think people are piggy banks and you just want to tilt them over and like shake out all the coins, but people have a finite number of money. They're not your billionaire CEO owners or whatever. Okay. I just, as you go into it, I just want to say we, we reported here on the podcast that last year's most grossing games was number one, call of duty Vanguard and number two, call of duty cold war and call of duty Vanguard came out in November. So between November and December, it made more money than any other game. So the fact that it didn't meet expectations blows my mind. Anyways, go back. Yeah, yeah that's fine. It's just uh, it, going to your first question. Am I surprised? I'm surprised in the sense of like, I mean, they've had a new year mainline Call of Duty title like every year since 2005. I mean, that's a 17. That's a 17 year run. It'd be uh, when they drop the next one this year. So that part is uh, really shocking to me, honestly, that they're not they're not going to follow it up in 2023. But then I got there and sat there to thinking and I was wondering, would it is it partially also because I assume that or I assume and some people have told me that like each mainline game is developed by several different. It's not one person doing all the Call of Duty games or several different developers. So like they'd switch off like every year. Uh, There's like a cycle of three, I think. But. I was sitting there and thinking when I was studying the article and kind of like uh, going through the notes and stuff like that. And I was wondering if it's not only just that they didn't quote unquote reach expectations with Vanguard, but also to give them more time because this would probably be the first Call of Duty premium title launched after they are officially bought by Microsoft. And if they were like, we want this to be the best call of duty we can make this is the biggest title theoretically the biggest title is going to be our first call of duty as part of microsoft so if that's the case was that also added into the conversation that was the thing that i was thinking about reading this um i'm sorry for the fans of it if they if the fans if they, if they buy one every year I, I would assume they don't but maybe they do who knows I oh mean, they probably do <laughs> I, I assume there's certainly a certain number of fans, especially if Vanguard was like the most grossing game last year in two months. But that was like kind of like the thing I thought of was like, ooh, maybe they wanted to like try to get this right when they yeah. joined Microsoft. Did you have any thoughts like that? Or were you like, were you surprised like whether that they were delaying it? Uh, and for any other reason besides the fact like, oh, they just released one every year. So I was, I was surprised for simply that is they release one every year, regardless of how things go. Like they're basically Madden or NBA, right? It's just a, doesn't matter. 
a new one is coming out. So I'm a little surprised that they, uh, of course, are not, they're not releasing something still. Like, even, like, maybe, I don't know, like, I guess, like, the way that I was thinking is, like, even if it was, like, delaying some part of it, but at least releasing the game still, um, a la, like, Halo Infinite, right? Um, delaying parts of it, like, Forge Mode and Co-op, but releasing the game still nonetheless. So I'm a little surprised by that. I did not go the route that you thought because you're right, technically speaking, and the reason I say technically is we still don't know if the government's going to like put a, a, a pause on it for a bit, but if everything goes through, next year is when Microsoft should it would be taking over Activision Blizzard. So I didn't think about that, but I also felt even with that being the case that Activision Blizzard is going to still control, to this extent, this year's game and, at the very minimum, next year's game. Because most of the development is already done or is about to be done. So it's just one of those I kind of felt that way. Uh, The thing that I felt is probably what led to this, this pause, I guess, is kind of what the article said but not to the extent of that you know call of duty cold war cannibalized on vanguard i feel like it's they really want to continue to milk warzone as much as they can before that sale happens before everything goes and moves forward so you know who knows what that'll be like um, again when Call of Duty uh, is taken over or Activision Blizzard takes is taken over by Microsoft. But uh, I don't know. I'm also surprised to hear about this, this according to the article of The Verge, this new free-to-play online game. Like I really wonder what that is because, of course, Warzone is already here and it's already been said by Jason Schreier but previously that uh, that a Warzone 2 is coming. So the fact that there is now a new free-to-play title somewhere in between, I really wonder what that is and if it's going to be like the tried-and-true multiplayer of Call of Duty because then I'm like, then why are you releasing an actual game? Like most people, and it is, this is not to like crap on Call of Duty because Call of Duty does do a pretty good job with the single player campaigns. But overall, the the people who continue to buy Call of Duty every year, and which is a ton of people, again, Call of Duty is the most profitable IP there is in video games, hands down, bar none. Most people who buy that are buying it strictly for the multiplayer. So it's like if you're going to give them a free-to-play version of that, they're not going to buy your game. <laughs> they're going to be like, well, just play this free-to-play version instead. So, yeah, I just wonder – I really wonder what that's going to be. Um, uh, and then also I know we're on a different article, but I had to look it up because we were talking at this point. Uh, remember, the, the, the SAO game that is going to take over the VR systems is Zenith The Last City. Remember, it released – January 27th. Right. They're already released. They're already yeah. released. Be careful, everybody. Be careful yeah. of that one. Yeah, so be careful of that one. All right, anyway. <laughs> um, before before we go to our upcoming releases, I know we're getting a little bit long, but this is our last article, so I just want to get through it, and it's because it's right, the right, one right. that I'm probably most excited for uh, overall. Is Street I, figured, Fighter- I figured, honestly. <laughs> Street Fighter Six has been announced. 
uh, with the short te- teaser trailer, and we are going to get more information in summer of 2022. This is written in the polygon.com uh, by Ollie Welsh, and it is Capcom has announced Street Fighter VI in a short tr- teaser trailer shown at the end of the Capcom Pro Tour esports event. It's the first official confirmation of the fighting game sequel, although it has been long known to be in development. Now, the trailer is, of course, scant on details with no information yet, just that it has basically the logo and it shows off Ryu squaring off against Luke, who is the last DLC fighter for Street Fighter V, because he was, of course, announced already that he was going to be the glimpse into the future of the franchise. Uh, Capcom also in this announced a new retro fighting game compilation called Capcom Fighting Collection that's going to release on Switch, PC, PS4, and Xbox One on June 24th. And for those that don't know, it has a ton of games on there. Uh, Just real quick, Darkstalkers, The Night Warriors, Night Warriors, Darkstalkers Revenge, Vampire Savior, The Lord of Vampire, Vampire Hunter 2, Darkstalkers Revenge, Vampire Savior 2, The Lord of Vampire, Red Earth, Cyberbots, Full Metal Madness, Super Gem Fighter Mini Mix, Super Puzzle Fighter 2, Turbo, and Hyped Street Fighter 2. So, Pete, uh, before we get into the the last little part here, as you you know from looking at the list that there is another hyperlink here, uh, just in general, what are your thoughts about Street Fighter 6 being announced uh, and of course we have to wait for more information though till the summer oh man I'm growing the beard out to match Ryu you know just, yeah. you gotta be a badass to play a Street Fighter I mean there's a, Street Fighter is such an iconic title I mean I'm not even a fighting game guy I'm terrible at them and I still am just like you know it's Street Fighter Street Fighter 2 like that's part of your childhood man I mean I even I like uh, jumped on the Street Fighter Five bandwagon. I played a, a bunch of that for at least like a couple of months. I mean, I can't say I stuck with it, but I mean, am I going to do the same thing with Street Fighter Six? Probably not. Not at least right away. But like, it's Street Fighter, man. You got Guile's theme memes, just like goes with everything. You got Ryu. You got you got Ken. Like it's uh, Chun Li. Like everything, man. It's 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 a classic. It's an icon. It's just it helps jumpstart esports like and i know i know you specifically were super pumped about this when the title when the thing dropped so just just have at it man just just go nuts tell us your thoughts and what you how hype are you yeah i'm like i'm super hyped again i it's no secret i talk about it all the time i love fighting games but i'm crap at fighting games that's just how i am so like i'm super hyped for it uh i knew you know, of course, that this again, like it says, said, it's been long known to Street Fighter Six been in development. We all just had been waiting for that confirmation that it's actually coming uh, at some point. We knew it'd be happening, so I was really happy though that the countdown ended up being Street Fighter when a lot of people rumored or thought that it was going to be Resident Evil. So for me, super happy with it. Uh, the the teaser trailer itself, though, to be completely honest, is kind of crappy. It's not the greatest, uh, but it just gets you hyped enough that you're just like, all right, cool. We're ready to go. Street Fighter 6 is coming. Let's look forward to the summer. Um, but that's not the only reason that the teaser trailer was crappy. How about you get into that? Correct. We're going to go to the last little part of this, and that is, yikes, Street Fighter 6 awful new logo. <laughs> Looks like an $80 Adobe stock image. <laughs> 
Uh, this is written on the PCGamer.com by Molly Taylor, and it is Street Fighter VI was officially announced on Monday with a short teaser trailer. Uh, and of course, it's Far Cry, uh, or its logo, of course, is a Far Cry from its usual bombastic dynam- uh, dynamic logo of games past. And it turns out there's actually a good reason for it because it looks like a slightly altered version of an $80 Adobe stock logo. Uh, the similarities were noticed by uh, Ars Technica's RH Lawson, who tweeted a picture of the stock logo and wrote, I don't even know what to say. I knew it was generic, but I didn't realize it was this bad. Uh, they searched for SF on the stock logo website and then found uh, this this other logo. And then there's other people been commenting about it. Also, to point out, the owner of the stock photo uh, has been contacted about it and wants to sell the rights to Capcom uh, so that they, they they can exclusively have it and he will take it down from all of the Adobe Stocks uh. sites. Of course, he wants to make some money. We all know that. Oh, uh, of course. Uh, but there's also been, of course, other places. This logo, or at least similarities, have been lo- used for a lot of places, like a French sci-fi convention and a Chinese store and a Taiwanese store. Um, and some f- very well-known fighting game players, Justin Wong, uh, he said, quote, definitely not a fan, uh, doesn't scream Street Fighter, while Leffen, who is a famous uh a Super Smash Bros. Trash. player tweeted out, quote, that song and logo trash, though. <laughs> uh, so, Pete, uh, I guess I gotta ask you, what did you think of the logo? Uh, well, I, I it didn't bother me at first, but, like, when people pointed out, it's like, yeah, I'm used to, like, it being more rough and tumble. It's definitely a lot more sleek and, <laughs> I guess, for lack of a better term, corporatized. <laughs> like, it's like, Definitely like doesn't look Street Fighter, but uh, when I, I I didn't realize the the issue with the the logo itself until you sent over the notes, and then I immediately thought of the hey, can I copy your homework meme? <laughs> sure, it doesn't just make sure it looks different, so it doesn't look like you copied it. Sure thing. <laughs> it was just like wow, that is real bad. That's yeah. real bad. There was like slight adjustments and a six added. It's like there you go. Hey, I made adjustments, but nobody uh, will ever know. <laughs> no one, no one will ever notice. Um, for myself, uh, I will fully admit it's it's gonna sound really bad, and I think it's because of just who I am. Like when I first saw the logo, my mind didn't think anything of it. I was just like, oh cool. All right. They're going for a more modern look this time. Like that's literally what my mind yeah. thought was like, all right, they're going mm-hmm. for a more modern look. Um I also still did think that that was a placeholder logo. I still do think it's a placeholder logo. I don't think that's the actual logo. There's like to me, as you've already said, <laughs> it looks nothing like past Street Fighter logos. Like there's just this is such a stark contrast. I'm like like, this has to be a placeholder. And I, so I think it is. I think this summer we'll see the true logo. But the fact that someone went and found it on Adobe stock and it is an $80 photo, it's just like, all right, that's that's real rough. Um, so <laughs> if they weren't going to change it, like if that was the actual logo, I really think now they will change it regardless <laughs> because they're like, yeah, this logo got shit on <laughs> and we don't want it to look like this $80 stock photo. So definitely not again we will have to wait till summer to find out information about that but if you want to play some games and buy some new games and want to play them soon i can tell you what's coming out this week and it starts with today friday february 25th we have tormented souls for ps4 xbox one uh the legend of zelda majora's match mask excuse me for switch uh but you need the nintendo switch online plus expansion to play that just forewarning 
Uh, Moto Rotor from PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Atelier Sophie 2, The Alchemist of the Mysterious Dream, PS4, Switch, and PC. Elden Ring for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Grid Legends for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And then the Steam Deck. This is just for those who have reserved it. You may be getting an email saying, hey, do you actually want to buy this? So check your emails if you want to buy that. On Monday, February 28th, we have Guild Wars 2, End of Dragons expansion for PC. Tuesday, March 1st, we have Pants Quest for PC, Conan Chop Chop for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, Little Orpheus for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, Elix 2 for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC, Far Changing Tides for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, Puzzle Quest 3 for PC, iOS, and Android, Shadow Warrior 3 for PS4, Xbox One, and PC, that is coming day one to PS Now. Wednesday, March 2nd, it is Instruments of Destruction Early Access for PC. 35mm or 35mm for PS4, Xbox One, Switch. That is currently out on PC. Thursday, March 3rd, we have Beholder 3 for PC. Babylon's Fall for PS5, PS4, and PC. And then on Friday, March 4th, you have A Musical Story for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, iOS, and Android. Gunborg Dark Matters for PS5, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Music Racer Ultimate for PS5 and Xbox Series. Gran Turismo 7 for PS4 and uh, PS4. Excuse me, PS5 and PS4, and then Triangle Strategy for Switch. Man, I messed up a lot on that, but is any of that going to interest you? <laughs> Tongue twisters for sure. Uh, the two, the three that would jump out at me if I had access to it would be uh, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Uh, looking at some of the other ones, this may sound a little crazy. Uh, Beholder 3 looked very interesting. I might try the download of that off, off of Steam. And then Pants Quest. You know how I, I knew you were going to say that. Pants. You know, I love not wearing pants. <laughs> I call my room itself no Pennsylvania. So I'm really interested in that one. That one seemed like it'd be kind of funny to try. So I might download the, the download or download the demo of that one rather. Uh, from steam as well how about you what are you looking forward to coming up in the next week okay i just have to really say real quick i was going through the list and i found pants quest last like i found it on like one of my the the various websites because i for those that don't know i pull up like six websites and i go through to add all these games to make sure i do my best trying to add everything but i do purposely leave off certain games because if i look at it and i'm like that's like a game that's you know not going to be of interest or that's looks like a cash grab i won't put those games in pants quest i saw that and i was like i gotta look this up real quick and i looked it up and the first thing i thought was i have to put it on here for pete and so i was so glad you know me so well i was so glad when you were like pants quest (laughs) um so for myself um and i'll be honest this is going to be a little long-winded but first triangle strategy is definitely number one i mean i it's was if i remember correctly on my uh, top rpgs article top rpgs of 2022 article which you can go check out on pressstartnews.net i have triangle strategy i think number two on the list uh, it was two or three but i think it was number two um and then i from that then it goes to tomorrow or today when this gets posted there is a demo for babylon's fall and i'm going to download that and play that because babylon's fall was actually like it was my number two perfect i have confirmation from pete here babylon's fall was my number one like 
most excited game when it was announced. When it got announced, I was like, this looks amazing. I can't wait to play it. And then things from there have not looked so hot. So, like, I my expectations and my desire to buy it have really gone down. But when it got announced that there is a demo going to be available on PlayStation starting Friday, February 25th, that you can play, I was like, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to play it, and I'm going to see if now when I play it, does it grab me the way that I think it should or that it would have uh, from my previous thoughts. And if that does, then Babylon's Fall will immediately jump back up to I want to get it right away. Uh, And then after that, excuse me, uh, the last one probably comes down to between like Elden Ring and Atelier Sophie. Now, I've never played an Atelier game. I will be uh, completely honest with that. I've always been interested in them. Uh, But Atelier Sophie has gotten very good reviews as well. I think on Metacritic, when I last looked, it was sitting at like an 83 or an 84, which is very good. And for an RPG as well, um, that to me tells me, I, I might want to dabble in this. So those are those are my big ones. Uh, and the last one, just because I do have PS now, I'm going to try out Shadow Warrior 3 because it looks, it looks boss, to be honest. Uh, but that is everything we have here on the podcast. So Pete, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? I want to leave this one specifically for your wife, Winnie. Uh, go buy, go buy on a PS VR five. Come on, or PS VR two. Come on, yeah, Come on. go all the if, way if to nothing PS else, VR five. Imagine, imagine Zyra's reaction while you're while he's playing the game, and you will be thoroughly entertained with that. I'm assuming because she's going to be going nuts. So, so there you go. That's that's my one thing to take away. Everybody else, um, stay happy, stay well, and you know, just dangerous world out there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Our thoughts, our thoughts go with Ukraine and we really hope that, Absolutely. uh, we really hope that the conflict ends very soon and things can, can get back to normal, get back to, uh, you know, being able to enjoy the hobbies that you want to enjoy and not worry about your own safety. So please stay safe out there. But as I tell everybody on the episodes, that's all that we have here for this episode. I've been one of your co-hosts, Jeremy Culver, a.k.a. Darcy. This has been the California Thirst Quencher, Pete Legia, and we really enjoy bringing this to you each and every Friday. As always, everybody, stay hydrated, stay healthy, stay safe, and keep on gaming. We'll see you guys on the next episode.